These items from the WOR community calendar. Golfers who think they're pretty good are invited to tee off against drug abuse in the fourth annual Passport Golf Classic, September 9th at the Beaver Brook Country Club in Clinton, New Jersey. Call the Central Jersey Drug Abuse Council at 201-735-4200. This is an exciting time of year at United Hospital Fund. Find what you can do to become part of the action. Call Plaza 41080 for a free brochure. The top story is the price of gasoline goes up, the cost of food comes down. Dr. Friedgood indicted in Nassau County for the murder of his wife. And that, friends, is the 9 o'clock edition of the news. This is John Scott. Next news as it happens, next scheduled news tonight at 11 o'clock over WOR Radio 710, the talk of New York. And now stay tuned for Gene Shepard. Coming up next over WOR New York and RKO General Station. the editorial one. That's always good. It sounds very official. Like, we view the following situation. That's an Eric Severi phrase. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like royalty. Royalty never uses the actual phrase I. It's we, meaning the realm. Uh, you know? And so whenever you hear a, uh, a commentator say, we view this situation with great... It's the same thing. I mean, it's it's uh, it's the community and the realm of vast intelligence. Oh, you like that, huh? But, uh, you know, on the subject of uh, of ego, it's all... You know that the sunglasses are becoming so much a part of the ego uh, mechanism of many people that the sunglasses have become a major art form. It used to be, you know, they take a couple of pieces of uh, brown glass and put wire rims on them, and the guy sticks it, you know... <laughs> you ever see the Bonnie and Clyde? You ever see that movie? Well, uh, if you ever see Bonnie and Clyde, there's a scene in there where this old guy is in the uh, hardware store. He gets blasted, of course, by Bonnie or Clyde and or both. And uh, he's in the hardware store, and he's got a pair of sunglasses on, which were right out of the early dawn age of sunglasses. I mean, the kind that they sold at the drugstore. And uh, they had uh, celluloid lenses. <laughs> you know, he's... Looking real dumb in these in these green glasses. Now that was the beginning of it all. There must have been a great moment uh, when the, the very first caveman discovered he could enhance his image among the other cavemen by putting small rocks in front of his eyeballs, rocks that were colored. See, <laughs> and then someone says, "Hey, Og looks great today. Look at him over there," and he's squatting down there in the back of the cave. Of course, the Eskimos, you know, have sunglasses, but it's not an ego thing with them. Their sunglasses really are for sun. Now, uh, there's a uh, sh here's a shepherd rule of thumb. You ready for it? The less the sun, the more the sunglasses. 
In other words, it is very common to see guys sitting uh, squatting in cars on the double E train where the sun has not entered since probably the late 12th century. Uh, completely black shaded. <laughs> on the other hand, here's what's eerie: you go to places like, uh, like for example, uh, the Everglades. Now I've been in the Everglades, and, and the sun is beating down. The sun has been beating down there since time immemorial. Guys never wear sunglasses. So you know, Shepard's a great rule of thumb. In spite of the Rod Steiger performances eternally of sheriffs showing up with sunglasses on. Uh, that is a rare sight. The southerner rarely wears them. You know that? They, they, in fact, a friend of mine one time told me in Pahokee, Florida, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to look real cool, you know, sitting in a drugstore there, you know, uh, spitting on a floor and doing all the stuff that you do when you're in the Everglades, you know, I'm sitting there and uh, chewing on a piece of uh, turtle meat. And, uh, yeah, you know, that's what they eat turtle steaks in the, in the Everglades. Yes, and they're good, by the way. That's right. The typical New Yorker thinks that anything that does not come in a package frozen must be oh ugh. Uh, but uh, that's right, and that's why you can buy such terrible stuff in packages because you trust it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sad. However, uh, uh, turtle is very good. Uh, turtle meat is not that you know. Turtle is uh, this is red meat, you know, and it's really good. It tastes like uh, like the finest kind of veal is what it really tastes like, and so. Uh, I'm sitting there, you know, chewing a chunk of turtle meat and uh, trying to look like I'm from the glade, saying things like, My God, I, don't, I just don't know what I'm going to do with that damn transmission car. You know, that kind of stuff. When all of a sudden my friend says to me, says, uh, Hey, buddy, excuse me, you ain't fooling nobody. I mean, any, everybody come in here and go out here knows you from the Noah. And I said, How come? What do you mean? How come? You know, I got my, my, my Everglades shirt on and everything else. He said, you got sunglasses on. I said, it's the sun. The sun's out there. I said, no place in the world wearing sunglasses like with the sun. I said, nobody wears sunglasses around here. That shows you're a tourist sure as hell. And so I realized that's quite true. The first thing that a lady who is heading for Miami does is buy 19 pair of sunglasses because she wants to be part of the scene, you know, down there. But uh, you can always, no beach boy wears sunglasses really in Miami because you see, you cover up those beautiful blue eyes. <laughs> and that's how he makes his living. So uh, you just gotta you just gotta remember that the sunglass is part of the ego culture of our time. Nothing to do with sun. As a matter of fact, most of the sunglasses are bad for your eyes, due to the incredibly bad colors people buy, because they buy the color not for the sun, but for how it's going to look with my skin, or how it's going to look with my new blouse, or uh, all the rest of it, my brushed denim. And uh, so on down the line. Nothing is worse for your eyes than yellow sunglasses, for starters. You know why? There's a scientific reason. Oh, why? That's beyond the scope of the course. If you wanna, if you wanna sign up for our course in prismatics, would be. <laughs> in fact, there is one, there is one color of sunglass that is very, very popular that many, many eye experts are worried about because this color. Uh, can permanently damage the opt optic nerve due to the filtering of the wrong stuff out and the allowing of the wrong stuff in in great doses. So, you know, you can't tell a lady that. <laughs> no way. No, no. It's like trying to tell a cigarette smoker to give them up, you know. No. Oh, there's no way to do it. No, no. Because the ego is what most of us are made out of. I'm not putting anybody down for this. 
Have, have you seen these, these strange ads that are, are appearing in billboards all over the, all over the country? Really angry looking people looking out of the billboard. I mean, they really look bugged. And, and, uh, and they're not, they don't even excuse it. They're no, no comment. They just look real mad out of the billboard. And one, and underneath it is a big slogan that says, I like the taste. Or, I like the box. In other words, you ain't gonna talk me out of smoking cigarettes, buddy. Don't tell me. And by the way, the people are all, you know, dynamically healthy looking people. Uh, <laughs> they're very careful of that. But they look truculent. See, the point is, they look angry. Obviously, somebody has said to them, why the hell do you smoke cigarettes? I mean, everybody knows that. What, what are you doing? Everybody knows that's ridiculous. Charlie, you're, 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 you know, you're really running a lot of risk, buddy. Here you are. You're only 19 years old already. You smoke nine packs a day. And he's answering you through the ad. See, he's looking real mad. He says, I like the box. That's enough. It's the box. There's nothing going to hurt you with the box. I mean, nobody's ever died of smoking boxes. No way. So, uh, yeah, try to talk somebody out of sunglasses, you know. Do you know that, that there was a big... I saw a fantastic auto accident one day. Really tremendous accident one day. Uh, happened on, on uh, the Connecticut Turnpike. And uh, I happened along when it, was, when it was all going. I happened to have a press card. And, uh, I, you know, I want to see what the heck's going on. There's a tremendous thing. They, the, the police are blocking it off. And I jump out of the car and I run over and I show the guy the card. And, by the way, I later called it back to the radio station. The tremendous head-on crash with about nine cars. Somebody jumped the, the whole thing there. And, and the state trooper says, he says, I don't know what we're going to do. And I said, what? He says, here's this guy driving along. He says, it's, 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 it's dark out. And he's got the blackest shades I ever saw in my life. <laughs> and this is a, he says, uh, this is obviously why it happened. The guy didn't see anything coming up around him. He wound up sideswiping somebody. He, he couldn't see him. He hit him. That guy bounced off the railing. He bounced into somebody else, and three cars flipped over into the other lane, and forget it. Nine died. But if you, if you try to talk him out of the sunglasses, no way. But I'll tell you an interesting thing about them. They're even getting more creative than you thought. Do you know that there's an outfit in France that just brought out some sunglasses now? You know, it's very dramatic to have your sunglasses kind of gleam. You know, that's uh, considered a new, yeah, oh yeah, the kind of gleaming uh, Michael Caine syndrome. Well, do you know that now they have sunglasses that have a very tiny, it's built right into the frame, invisible. They're tiny tube fluorescent lights that are powered by one of these little 9-volt tablet batteries that's inserted into the earpiece that goes back. No way. They look exactly like every other kind of glass you've ever seen, but they gleam malevolently. And you can get them in different colors, of course. If you like to look like Dr. Cyclops, you can get one color. If you, uh, <laughs> oh, I hate to tell you, they run around two bills, uh, two long yards per uh, per pair, but they're kind of nice. You can get a set for your wardrobe, uh, you know, maybe eight or nine pairs of them go with your Ferrari. And, uh, yes, you can get Ferrari red. You can get them all, you know. And uh, <laughs> and uh, they, this is this is part of the uh, of the ego thing. You know that uh, I, I was in the... One of the one of the engineers here recently had to go down and get some glasses, and uh, he went down to the uh, to the place where you get the glasses. See, and so uh, he he paid for he regular glasses. He was getting prescription glasses, 
and uh, he's sitting at the at the desk there where they're fitting the glasses on. See, so they're fitting his glasses, and he has a very complicated formula for his his uh, eyes. And uh, the Oculus is looking in his eyes, you know, and he's adjusting the glasses. And he says, here, look at this, look at this point. Now, and he has this little needle, you know, with the light in it, and he's looking in his eyes, and he's adjusting them. And uh, finally, uh, he's aware, well, the Oculus is away getting a little pair of pliers or something, that the guy next to him is also getting a pair of glasses fitted, see? And uh, the guy's looking in, and they're, they're adjusting them. And there are shades. They're uh, they're uh, green or something, or ice blue or something. They're adjusting the shades, and uh, the oculist is adjusting the things. And uh, finally, he says, oh, he says, well, he says they look, they look fine. He said, uh, do you want to charge it? Do you want to charge him, or do you want to pay cash? And the guy says, oh, I'll pay cash. And at that point, the oculist is figuring it out. And all the while, my my friend is just sitting there, fat, dumb, and happy. See, he's got this fantastic, complicated. Uh, prescription, you know, it's got trifocals, you know, stuff. He's got little lenses carved within the lenses and everything else, you know. He's got little little antennae out that send out ultraviolet rays so that he can see the wall, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, he's he's just casually watching this guy. The guy's uh, getting the shades fixed up, and uh, at which point the Oculus says to him, he says, um, he says, you don't wear any prescription. He said, uh, he said so. Uh, these glasses will be eighty-seven fifty. Eighty-seven fifty. And at that point, his Oculus returns, and he says, "Well, I guess they're okay." He says, "That'll be thirty-six dollars." <laughs> In other words, necessity comes a lot cheaper these days than ego. Of course, for guys with a very low ego, ego is a medical problem. This is WOR New York, friends. Speaking of problems, would you please hit the uh, big money button? That's the green one there. That's right. Hit it there. The dollar green, right? Oh, that sounds so beautiful. Until now, you had to visit Europe to discover why European cruising sets the standard for the world. But now, that superb attention to elegance and passenger comfort is coming to the Caribbean. I'm George Fenton. Starting September 14th, Norwegian-America line Saga Fjord begins a unique series of one- and two-week cruises from Port Everglades, Florida, to a select group of highly interesting ports of call. That gives you time to enjoy more of the shipboard life you take a cruise for and still take in all the sightseeing and low-cost Caribbean shopping you wish. Most of all, you bask in service that is always attentive, never overbearing, the kind that Europeans take for granted. Sail on the Norwegian-registered Saga Fjord this fall and discover a new standard in Caribbean cruising. Cruise with Norwegian America Line from Florida. They'll pay your one-way economy airfare or a $50 bonus if you live in Florida. Call your travel agent for a touch of yesterday, today. If understanding our problems is the first step in solving them, then television news should do more. So says a British TV journalist in the new issue of TV Guide magazine. His ideas on how TV news can help us understand our problems make interesting and important reading. In the same issue, find out how some experts rate crime shows. Many law officials are on record with their thoughts. What do the men behind bars think? TV Guide went behind prison walls to find out what convicts watch and why. TV Guide's cover story offers proof positive that the bite of the vaudeville bug is often permanent. Buddy Ebsen, a hoofer during the Depression, still wants to dance. In spite of his successful TV series, he's getting his old act together. Don't miss this word and picture report in TV Guide, America's biggest-selling magazine.
Which high-potency vitamin do physicians and pharmacists recommend most? Theragran and Theragran M with minerals by Squibb. The name Squibb on the label means that you have no doubt about the honor or integrity of the maker. And right now you can take advantage of his great special offer. Buy 100 Theragran or Theragran M tablets at the regular price and get 30 extra tablets at no extra cost. 30 free when you buy 100. That's a month's supply for one person. But the offer's limited. Get your Theragran by Squibb now. It's the brand physicians and pharmacists recommend most for mixed vitamin deficiencies. Available at Mei Pharmacy, 4224 15th Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. Kipps Pharmacy, 1600 Sheepsheads Bay Road in Brooklyn. Quentin Pharmacy, 3623 Quentin Road in Brooklyn. Okay, fellas, what was the score of the last Jets-Giants game? You know it? Good. But you know the score about batteries. Do you know all you should know about heavy-duty, light-duty, battery-life warranties? Do you know the kind of battery your car needs to get through a miserable winter? Are you sure your old battery's got the muscle to get you through to spring? If you don't know, maybe you ought to go to a guy who does, your local Chevron dealer. He works with cars all day long, and he's a battery expert, too. He's got all kinds, including the powerhouse Atlas PhD premium power battery. That's the son of a gun with muscles on its muscles. It's lighter, bigger, stronger, tougher than the average battery. It'll give you long life and great performance. It'll take a little bit of the worry out of winter. The Atlas PhD premium power battery. So if you don't know the score about batteries, go to a guy who does, your local Chevron dealer. And tune in the Jets this weekend. Someday you'll long. Someday you'll long. Sooner or later you'll own generals. General Tire does not claim that its tire experts have all the answers. I mean, you know, marital problems, having problems with sex life. No, they won't. Uh, they won't handle that. But they can tell you about everything you want to know about tires, and uh, that's important. You know, if you keep running off the road, and hitting people, and all that stuff. So you better get down and find out what you really need on your car. The General Tire specialist, he's trained to analyze what tire fits your driving habits. You know, like running over fire hydrants and all that. So go down to the General Tire place in your neighborhood and sing it out. Sing it, sing it. Yeah, yeah. You'll own them. Sooner or later, you'll own General. Oh, it's the Munchkins again. Bring it up there. Look at that little Munchkins thing in there. Indeed, the Leonard Bernstein Hell Prince musical now at the Broadway Theater has been hailed by the critics as the musical of all time. It takes off like a rocket and never comes down, says Clive Barnes. And nothing's more exciting than a rocket that don't come down. Candide at the Broadway Theater is a show for young and old, and there are free peanuts for everyone. Sing it out, Munchkins, please. I feel very cool tonight. I mean, uh, like I don't care whether the store keeps in the hell with it. Well, you know, there are times when I just don't care whether you're entertained, friend. That's right. Listen, why can't I be the same as everybody else is? You get in a cab these days, and I say to the guy, I want to go to LaGuardia, and he says, Oh, get out! I ain't going to LaGuardia. And you do. You get out. You, you know, you start auditioning cabs, or they start auditioning you, right? That's happened to you, hasn't it? It hasn't? Well, then you don't take cabs. All right. How many times have you walked into a store, and uh, you said, to, Hey, 
Hey, you got them porch swings advertised for only four dollars. He's I'm kidding her out. We don't have any of those. Now here, here's a seven thousand dollar automatic and uh so why can't I be that way? Why do entertainment people always have to be conscientious? Really? I mean that's what do you mean they don't? I'll tell you. Well, everything's going up these days. I'll give you something to chew on, including the resistance of roaches and other rotten crawling insects. I wish you could get something you could spray around your office to keep crumbs out. Really, I mean, that, to me, that's something that the scientific world has really ignored. A, a, a people repellent. You know, well, we've got plenty of people attractors. Uh, what do you think Chanel number five is? You know, you, 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 every Christmas, you know, that girl that looks out at you says, uh, says uh, don't ask her, she knows, uh, get her Chanel number five. She knows what you want. You know, you, you've seen this. Well, that's a people attractor. What I'd like is something that I could, uh, you know, put on my blue jeans that scare the idiots out of the office, you know. <laughs> I think I'm running in. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's subtle, see, it's subtle. Now, I'll tell you what you might be able to get. You know, we're, we're creatures of instinct. Do you understand this? I'll finish the commercial later. Don't worry. We're creatures of instinct. Some instincts we do not even know we have. Most we don't know. You know, there's not as much studying these days done of instincts as there are of learned responses. In short, almost every psychological course that you take somewhere talks about environment constantly. They rarely talk about what's built into you. Well, <laughs> It isn't true. I happen to be a psych major. <laughs> and they, they will sort of skim over the fact that you're a carnivore, but they claim that environment makes you even a worse carnivore. Well, I don't know. I think it's environment that keeps you from actually eating the dining room table. That the, if man was allowed to grow free and natural, he'd be an unbelievable killer. How do you like that for a subversive thought? <laughs> Yeah, we have this idea. If the man only grew beautiful and free, he would not do any of these bad things. Well, if you've ever been in the Amazon jungles where man does grow free of all societal restraints, he turns out to be a headhunter who collects all the skulls of all the neighboring tribes, <laughs> does all these good things. Well, so, you know, this is not a popular view I'm getting. Even Pat looks a little disturbed because she really believes uh, in a lot of the camp that is part of our time. And I wish I could. I'd be so much happier, you know, if I could buy a book by Dr. Rubin and really not laugh all the way through it. Uh, I really do. I think this is some of the great humor of our time is being written in the guise of, say, uh, Masters and Johnson. Subtle, unbelievable humor, which, uh, you know, a hundred years from now, they'll say, don't tell me they took this stuff seriously. And, uh, you know, if, if somehow you could write a, a note to future posterity and say, yes, friends, I lived in a time when people believed they could buy a book and then their sex life would work. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's kind of sad. But, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Pat. That is truly subversive. Because you come out of a crowd that buys all that stuff, I'm sure. But nevertheless, uh, I, uh, uh, you're always torn, see, because if you, if, you, if, you, if you find this stuff vaguely amusing, everybody says, oh, you're out of it. You're obviously not with it. You must be an ignorant clown. You must be Archie Bunker. I said, come on, Archie Bunker didn't write his thesis on James Joyce. Uh, and, and so you either, you either find it very convenient to believe because it's very, very, uh, very nice to be in the herd. You don't want to be the only crowd, one in your crowd, 
that keeps thinking that Masters and Johnson is a vaudeville team, which basically they are. However, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I'm just I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, that that, that uh, you know that I, I want to write a note to the future generations so that they they believe they didn't think this was funny. They believed this. See, it's like us reading a very learned tome. You know, I've got I've got a collection of books that I collected from the mid-19th century. I'll show them to you someday, Dave. They're fantastic things. Written by very eminent scientists of the day, writing about things, very deep and involved discussions of the devil and uh, how, the, how the devil uh, is, is at work at all times and the devil uh, is at work and, 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 in fact, the devil has caused people to object to say corsets, <laughs> they have all this stuff. In, and in, in, uh, in uh, eighteen seventy, they believed this stuff just as seriously as we believe the stuff that we believe. Now, if I had come, if I had been around in eighteen seventy, and it said, "Oh, come on, are you talking about the devil designed a corset? What do you mean?" I, do you think I would have been invited to the elegant soirees of the day? I'd have been considered, you know, Archie Bunker. He's right out of the out of the seventeenth century. <laughs> so if you if you disagree, you see, with with the cant of the day, uh, so you know it goes on and on. So my uh, my uh, feeling, you know, about uh, about many of these things is colored by the fact that I've never been able to really seriously believe, and I wish I could. You know, I, I'd be kind of great to say, oh, am I going to have an exciting night tonight? Wow, I can hardly wait. I just bought a double day. I can hardly wait to get home. There's a new book on uh, how to make it really, really, really work. And it's just fantastic. Only twenty-seven ninety-five and cheap at half the price. It's going to be condensed in the Reader's Digest next month, and Johnny Carson is doing a whole show on it. It's going to be great uh, with illustrated slides. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of the sad thing of our time. But um, where was I? Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, indeed. Uh, uh, what I was going to suggest uh, was that uh, we have these subliminal, very deep. Uh, uh, instincts, which are not the same as learned things, and, and, and it's hard to study an instinct. In fact, it's impossible. Instincts are almost because because you can't find if, if 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 it's a true instinct, you can you can't really build a laboratory experiment where you have one of the species without the instinct and another one with it. You understand how difficult it is to study instincts. That's why hardly anybody does. <laughs> Since what's even worse, the investigator has the instinct too. So, you know, it, it, it's just like a Chinese box puzzle. So what are some of the instincts we have? One, one, of, the, one of the most interesting instincts we have is, uh, is an instinct which is primarily based on what all animals of any given, of let's say the vertebrates, uh, how they deal with their environment, and how do they deal with their environment? Well, by sight, for one thing, that's the most obvious thing. He, he, if uh, if let's say a zebra sees a cheetah creeping up on him, the message gets through that uh, dim brain: you better run like hell. Okay, that's one thing. Now we do this too. You're walking down the street, and all of a sudden you see a 17-ton safe falling down upon you from the eighth floor. 
you immediately take evasive action. Now, you don't question it. You don't say, now, wait a minute, let's consider this. This safe is only trying to contact me. It is merely attempting to make a friendly, uh, no way. You go whap and you fly. Okay? So, now, that's an instinct. If I suddenly move my fist quickly in towards your eye without even thinking, you move back instinctually. Dr. Rubin cannot write a book on how you can get rid of that or how you can make it even greater. It's there. <laughs> okay. Now, there are other things, too. But instinct is deeper than, than, uh, than we ever suspect. Uh, how else does an animal deal with his environment? Well, the sense of hearing, correct. Man, too, deals with his environment that way at all times. So if you walk into a room and you hear somebody cocking a shotgun, <laughs> you do something instinctively. You make, make, your instinct may make you cry. Now, that's, a, that's, by the way, an attempt to curry favor. Do you know that a, uh, the, the crying instinct is, is uh, found in animals? For example, uh, there is, uh, when you see a, a dog, you know, there's always these various uh, casts among animals. The, the powerful one is running the show. Uh, you, you have studied that, I'm sure. All the way on down. Now, how does the one below the top one show that that one is subservient? By rolling over on its back. Correct. And so the big one comes over and often will just roll the other one over to show it means no harm. <laughs> and it'll just sort of nuzzle its ear or something. And, uh, and, and the one that shows it's subservient will open its throat even to it, which is the most vulnerable part of any animal. He is saying, I trust you totally. I am in your clutches. I am, I am going to do nothing to you. I am I'm here. Well, often when, when a person cries in a situation, that person is doing the same thing. Uh, it's an instinct that says, please, I am, I am helpless. I am totally, it's beyond my depth, and, and, and I am in your clutches. Now, that's one kind of cry. There's another kind of cry, which is that of despair, but that's another. That's in the next semester. We'll talk about that one later. <laughs> so <laughs> that's an abstract cry as opposed to a, a direct cry. Did you know there are different kinds of cry? Well, all right. The abstract cry is the one where you start crying when you get your phone bill. All right. <laughs> that's an abstraction. You're crying over what may happen. It's not an immediate danger. In other words, a giant fist doesn't come out of your French phone, smash you in the mouth. You know, Ma Bell may have that ultimately, uh, you know, where if, you're, if your uh, bill is more than 10 minutes late, you know, uh, the, you, pick up your, you pick up your prince's phone, see, and all of a sudden, bam, you get cracked in the mouth and down you go. <laughs> and the phone is telling you, pay up or. Now, uh, in the, uh, in the case of, uh, in the case of our instincts, see, we, we have a thing, uh, which we rarely talk about. This is the most subtle of all the instincts. Of, of the, of the, of the real sensory instinctual responses. And what is that? There are two that are very subtle, really. The sense of smell. Oh, yes. Now, you're going to say, how is this? How many times have you been in a car or in a house, you say, I smell something funny. And you get a little fear. Is something burning? What? What? <laughs> so you have scented something in the air that's danger. 
just like a, 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 a an impala quietly grazing suddenly gets that faint whiff of hyena his head goes up he says to the hyena he says to the he says to the impala next to him did you smell a hyena now if the impala next to him is as dumb as most impalas that you ask a question like that of he will say oh what the hell are you talking about and he goes down and starts eating the grass again uh, just like uh, you, 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 the instinct is there right now I have a theory for those of you who are bugged by, by fools and knaves I'm going to present an idea to modern science and industry right here take advantage of that instinct the instinct that that secret instinct that we all have the olfactory instinct and, and create a scent that's not unpleasant a scent that you just quietly put on the lapel of your, your suit or you just spray around the office that says danger. Subliminally. Now, what kind of scent does it does say that to us? Well, I'm going to suggest to you the faint scent of something mysterious in the distance burning. That'll do it right there because one of the great human instincts is fire, fire, fire has been the great killer from the earliest days. Do you know that, that one of the things that all animals in the forest are afraid of, and that's that forest burning, even the biggest are afraid of that. Man, too. Man was pursued by forest fires when he was in his primal stage. And now he's pursued by the towering inferno. Same thing. You're trapped against that great vast lake of water with the fire coming closer and closer. And in the water are crocodiles. Okay. And so you could get a very faint, subtle aroma of burning insulation. Gives a man a feeling of deep unease. So you know it. See, you've sprayed it in there. You know what it is, see. So he comes in the office. He says, hey, Charlie, I want to talk to you about that insurance policy. That uh, I've, been wanting to mean, I've been meaning to talk to you about it. And all the while. He's smelling this faint smell. And he's, he's instinctually, he's feeling uncomfortable here. But he says, hey, listen, I'll be back later. I'll talk to you about it. And he gets up and walks out. He doesn't know why. All right, now what else are we afraid of? Okay, I'm going to suggest one. That uh, man has always been afraid, and rightly so, of the major carnivores. I mean, bigger than he is. So, if you could get a faint essence of the musk of a full-grown male grizzly bear, <laughs> and just put a little bit of it on there, see. Now, that may have two, two effects, you see. What may happen is, on the one hand, Charlie comes in again, you know. He says, hey, uh, I meant to talk to you about that insurance policy. <laughs> yeah, uh... Listen, I, 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 I'm busy. I, I, I'll be right back. I just remember I got a phone call. He'll run out. He doesn't know why he has to do it. See, it's instinctual. On the other hand, you may be sitting there, see, and in comes Lucille from the typing pool. And all of a sudden, she feels an unbelievably uncontrollable urge to rip your shirt off. Who knows which way it'll go. So, uh, friends, uh, we have a note here. Uh, if you're having trouble with roaches... We've discovered something you can, <laughs> you can squirt around, and it's just bad news on those poor roaches, those crawling pests. 
It's called Black Jack. And it comes in a black and red, by the way, a danger. That means danger. A black and red aerosol can. If it came in a baby blue aerosol can, forget it. Black Jack is periodically tested for effectiveness. And, man, that stuff works. So if you've been having trouble with those little crumbs coming out from under the sink, give them a shot of blackjack tonight and look out. Stand back and listen to the screams. Depend on blackjack to keep home and family safe from unwanted crawling visitors except your Uncle Carl. Now, let's see. We have another one here. Speaking of animals, uh, no, wait, where is it? Oh, yes, yes. Almost everybody loves elephants. Unless, I might add, <laughs> but there are certain animals that run like hell. But uh, almost everybody loves elephants, unless one suddenly comes out of your garage at night when you open it. That's another story. The only time we get to see them is in the circus or the zoo. So uh, here's a great book called Among the Elephants. And uh, it, it's written by Aurea Douglas Hamilton and her husband Ian. And they squatted in the jungles of East Africa for years to learn the facts of life of elephants. So uh, if you're into elephants... They have gorgeous photographs. The reviews have been terrific. It's called Among the Elephants, a book you will never forget. In fact, you may constantly keep looking behind you after you read it. It's fourteen ninety-five. That may make you look behind you at all times. Published by the Viking Press. Okay. <laughs> all right. Now we're all set. We've done all the commercials, and uh, I, uh, you know, instincts. Uh, how much time do we have? Quick, Dave. Oh, all right. I'll tell you something. Instincts, see, also have to do with status. See, instinctually, an animal fears the loss of its primary sexual externalizations. In other words, uh, if a peacock, for example, attracts females by this fantastic spreading fan, he has an instinctual fear that one day this thing is going to be pulled out or torn off. Yeah, that's instinctual. Why do you think, for example, many, many millions of men today are buying hair pieces. Part of the same instinct. Yes, it is. <laughs> and why many, many ladies are buying pieces of foam rubber and placing them strategically around. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's that instinct. That's right. That's right, exactly. Now, a lot of people say, oh, what do you mean? That's fashion. Oh, no. Fashion always follows instinct. Not the other way around. Instinct remains constant. <laughs> it really does. And so uh, uh, it's fashion that keeps fooling around with it, trying to, trying to do something about it, see? So uh, uh, <laughs> there's all kinds of status things. You know, the, one, of the, one of the great status things that's very primal, very primal, so primal that we are, and, and this is going to be difficult for, for, for Ralph Nader to swallow. One of the primal instincts that goes back it's, it goes back thousands of years, is the possession of a steed. To possess means of locomotion. You know, there was a time when the, when the only people who had horses in a tribe were the chiefs. Did you know that? And the major soldiers, the great steeds, Hannibal, uh, Alexander, and uh, what was the name of his great horse? All right. Uh, see, uh, I can see the classics are very weak in the control room tonight. Yes, uh, Hannibal, uh, or rather Alexander, had a famous horse. What was the name of the horse? It's, it's probably the only horse whose name has echoed throughout, uh, throughout history. But that's beside the point. The, the thing that I'm getting at here is that, is that 
to own a steed, listen carefully, gentlemen, to own a steed is basically an instinctual process that bolsters not the sex ego of a person, but it, it sets him apart from his enemies. In other words, a steed gave you mobility away from danger. Very important. <laughs> Very important, to, and, and we ignore this. And so anybody who says, ah, oh, well, what we're going to do is give them mass transit, he does not understand the human creature. Mass transit, no way. Uh, that is against our instincts, because mass transit often represents danger. You are at the will of somebody else that if this thing blows up because the guy that was driving it uh, loused up or he blew a fuse, you are helpless. And the thing about primary, when I say primary, individual transit is that you control it. Very primary. It's, it's self it's self-preservation in a sense. And as society gets more complex, the desire to be able to control a method of fleeing becomes much more deeply ingrained. Not less, more. And so this is one of the reasons why almost everybody who, who is living in the slums or in the ghetto, the first thing he wants to do is get a car. Well, it's very primal and very understandable and extremely human. <laughs> Uh, so, so all these things are basic to the, the, the survival of man. And also it goes way back uh, to the ancient days. But another thing to remember, that, uh, that in the very earliest days, when the marauders came down out of the hills, the, uh, the avenging Huns or the, the barbarians, they didn't come walking up. They didn't hitchhike. They arrived on gigantic horses, usually with, with armor on the front of them. And the poor guy that was running around in the fields, there was no way. He, 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 forget it. And so, so uh, it, we also associate uh, the, the, the great movement uh, of, uh, of, uh, of a human being uh, by means of a secondary means of locomotion other than his feet, as he's a potential enemy. It's instinctual. So the only way you can deal with that enemy is to also get yourself a horse, which you can either use to run over him or you can use to run away from him. <laughs> but in any event, it's extremely primal. This is instinct. Now, if, if, uh, if you don't... If you don't uh, that's why when you go to other countries, for example, uh, the countries that are very poor, uh, the greatest desire of the people in these countries, and I was in India, I heard this all over India, was the most unimaginable thing they can think of only is some way to get around that does not involve the others. And so you'll see people in India saving for 10 years to buy a, a motor scooter. Yeah, that's all they can get. In fact, I talked to a guy in Agra who for seven years had been paying on a motor scooter that he wouldn't get until they finally made the last payment. And that was going to be the biggest day of his life. At last, he could get away from those buses with 27 million people hanging on the outside. And that fear all the time. One day it's going to fall down the ravine and everyone is going to die, including me, and I can't control it. So uh, anybody who does not understand this about cars, specifically cars, does not understand why cars have proliferated in the 20th century beyond any other human commodity. Incidentally, this also says something about telephones. Same thing. 
A telephone is a very abstract form of escape. In other words, to be able to escape your present place. For example, do you agree that you feel safer when you have a phone in your apartment knowing that you can call the police? Okay. I'm being very basic, see, but this is, this is the way we... You hear very little of this in psychological class. Very little. Because <laughs> instinct is very dangerous and there's nothing you can do about it. That's the thing that bothers psychologists. There's nothing you can do about instinct. The instinct that you have to strike out when something strikes at you, no way, no way you can do away with that instinct. It's like trying to do away with the sex instinct. No way. You've probably tried. <laughs> Others have tried to make it stronger. But the fact is, it's going to do it no matter what. Instinct is always part of us. We are a carnivore. We are surrounded by enemies. This is WOR New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation.